For those of you who are visiting with us for the first time, we give you a, a hearty welcome. And we're glad that the Lord sent you our way, and we're excited about what God is going to do in our midst this morning. To catch you up to speed, if you're with us for the first time, or perhaps last week, um, if you're one of our members, you didn't get to make it out, uh, we are starting the year off by painting a vision of who we believe God has called for us to be and, and what God has called us to be as a church. So what Sister Joy Williams just read was what we are, uh, it's called our, our vision statement, as was explained. And that was a statement that was written from the perspective of a member, prayerfully five to seven years from now. God has done a lot of good things at Force, and as uh, one of the pastors here, I am so excited about where he's already brought us. And God has given us, as a, a team of leaders, a vision for what this local church is to look like. And that vision isn't something that we had to create or anything that we had to make up. That vision is already painted clearly in God's word and in the scriptures. So what you just read is kind of a, sna a snapshot of, of, of kind of what we believe and who we believe God has called us to be. And if we had to summarize that whole uh, statement down to one sit sentence, it would go something like this. We are a peculiar people living ordinary lives together with gospel intentionality, seeking to show off an extraordinary Savior. And we've got some heavy words there that, that need explaining and things of that sort, but, but that's what we're going to be doing for the next uh, a few weeks is, is fleshing out that statement and saying what it means uh, and what that means. Um, as it says, we are peculiar people. As Christians, we believe that God has set us apart to live a, a special life, a life that points to the fact that we have been redeemed by Jesus and that we're being changed, that we're no longer uh, slaves to the old way of living, but now we are slaves or servants of Christ. And we are an ordinary people living our lives together. As Christians, we believe that in the ordinary mundane life that we have been called to live, that we have not been called to live our lives isolated, but that we've been called to know each other and live our lives together. The Bible gives an analogy um, of sorts when it, when it says that the, the church the, is the body of Christ. We are to be unified together, depending on one another. And we live with gospel intentionality. The word gospel simply means good news. We are intentional about allowing the good news of Jesus Christ to inform every part of our life. The good news that Jesus broke into darkness and was a, is a light for men and is the only way to heaven and changes us and gives us deep purpose and satisfaction informs the way we work and informs the way we uh, see our family and informs the way we eat, the way we drink. We do everything now to, to, to the glory of God. And that's what the last part of that statement simply says, seeking to show off an extraordinary Savior. As Christians and as a church, we believe that God has called us to be show-offs. Uh, but he hasn't called us to show off ourselves, to show off our skills, to show off our expertise. He's called us to show off the one who transferred us from darkness into his marvelous and glorious sight. Now that vision statement is a statement. For, for the members of the church. It's not a mission statement. A mission statement is a statement that's more, uh, uh, that uses a little simpler language, and that's for those who are, are not necessarily a part of church so they can see what we're about. But that is a loaded statement that we're going to be unfleshing that, that reminds us of what we're all about. As a church, we're peculiar. As a church, we live our lives together. As the people of God, we're intentional about showing off our Savior. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, after service, if you want a copy of the vision statement in the vestibule area right there on the table, uh, you can grab one as, as you leave and kind of get familiar with it. Uh, last week, uh, we started this vision series by looking at what does it mean to be a member of a local church? What does it mean to be a member of the local church? And last week, we looked at the mindset of a member the mindset of a member. And we learned that 
the person who was a member of a local church first deeply values the fact that Christ saved them and that they belong to the church. That means Christians all over the world. Then we looked at second that a, a person who is flourishing as a member of, a, of the local church also understands that it is that the, that the local church is biblical. It's a biblical idea. So joining a church or being a part of a local church is a biblical idea. Even though it's not explicitly stated anywhere in Scripture, it is implied. And we looked at those implications all uh, last week. And finally, that the local church, being a member and being connected to a local church, it is necessary for spiritual growth. And we talked about why it is necessary and why it's important. So today we're going to do part two, and we're going to look at the marks of a flourishing member. What are the marks or expectations of those who join the local church and those who are members of Forest Baptist Church? And I believe that this is really important because it's going to give us a clear picture of what it means to flourish as a member. And if you're visiting with us today, you say, well, how does that apply to me? How does that apply to my life? I just want to encourage you to, to listen uh, with intent as well. If you're a Christian and you belong to a local church, um, these uh, principles that you're going to learn today are, are principles that prayerfully you'll take back to your church and things that you will, uh, the way that you will get involved with your local church. Um, if you're not a Christian, uh, you, you get to see today what does it mean to be a part of a church and what's expected from those who say that they're Christians and those who love Jesus. So you get that clear picture of what, what that looks like. Now before we even get started, I want, I want you to understand something. That the, the marks and the things that we're going to be looking at uh, in, in part two of a flourishing member, uh, seven of the eight of them, seven of the eight of them uh, does not grant you access to God or to heaven. <laughs> So to be a Christian um, is not uh, dependent upon you doing these things, okay? So this is not, I'm not saying that these eight things that we're going to look at today is necessary for salvation, because it's not. Uh, we are saved by grace. Salvation is a gift from God through faith. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes in and changes our heart from a heart of a stone to a heart of flesh, and he makes us have life, then, then we're saved. Not based upon these things that we're going to talk about. We're not saved based upon these things that we're going to talk about today. So I want to make that clear. This is not a list of things that you have to do in order to be right with God. This is a, a list of things that are implied in Scripture and that's, that's present in Scripture that help us as a local church to know what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and to thrive. Amen? Normally, as we preach, we just we walk through a, a chapter in the Bible or a book of the Bible. We've been preaching through 1 Corinthians, going uh, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. But for this series, we are just going to do more of a topical uh, style sermon, which means that we're not planning in one text, but we're going to be jumping around. As I said last week, my prayer is that as we're doing this, that you will write down these verses that we go to and that you'll go home and that you'll read them and not only read the verses that I say to you, but read the verses before and the verses after. Amen? So let's get started, and let's look at what the Bible says a flourishing member looks like. Let's look at the marks of a healthy member and, and the expectations. But first, let's pray. Uh, gracious Father, you truly are good, and I uh, thank you, and we bless your name for all that has happened thus far. We thank you for getting us to today. Uh, we know that this week was a uh, uh, a challenging week for many, um, tough as life continues to, to bring us trials and temptations and storms. But we thank you for your sovereignty and for your providence, which allowed us to get here today to hear a word from you. Thank you, Father God, that we don't have to wonder about how to navigate through this life, that you have clearly spoken to us through your word, the Bible. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who gives life and who is life, and who satisfies. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who puts his trust 
in him. Father, I pray that you will help us to put our trust in you and help us to flourish as members. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I truly believe that when one member begins to flourish, the whole church experiences flourishing. And we're going to look at these eight marks today. So what does it mean to be a member of Forest Baptist Church? What's the expectations? What's the marks of a healthy member? Number one, a flourishing member becomes a part of the local church the right way. A flourishing member becomes a part of the church the right way. The right way. And what is the right way? First, the right way means that they come through a, uh, with a salvation experience through Christ. In order for one to be a member of a local church, um, they have to be a Christian. Okay? The church is for Christians. Those who have been given new life by God. Turn your Bibles really quickly to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 1 through 4, and I won't be uh, digging into every place that we go because we're going to be going a number of different places. But the church um, is Christians, and the local church is made up of Christians. And what does it look like to be a, a Christian? It means that you experience something. What do we experience? Verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the power of the prince of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature... Children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. A Christian is a person who realizes that before they met Jesus, they were dead men and women walking. We were dead to the things of God, alive to the evil of this world and the passions of our own sinful flesh. We were doing what we wanted to do, when we wanted to do it. Everything was about us and keeping up with the Jones. We had no ability to save ourselves, but God, God being rich in mercy, came into our hearts, transformed us, and began to transform our desires, helped us to see that we were selfish, that we were liars, that we did whatever we wanted to do whenever we wanted to do. And he gave us a desire to make Jesus the center of our lives and to build our lives upon him. It is a person who realizes that God gave them the greatest gift that they ever could receive. And it had nothing to do with how good you are or how smart you are or how good you think you look. That it was Truly, God's work in bringing you to himself because he chose you, elected you from the foundation of the world. So becoming a member of a local church means that you have experienced the mercy of God. You have experienced the grace of God and you have found yourself falling at the feet of Jesus saying, I no longer want to lead my life. I'm not capable of doing it but I want to follow you as you lead and control my life. 
That's what it means to be a Christian. God takes away a heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. But it also, we expect that once a person has experienced salvation through Christ, the next expectation for this leader, uh, for, this, for this Christian, is then to meet with a leader and talk about Jesus. Okay? So once a person has experienced salvation in, in Christ or is interested in knowing about Jesus and we share the gospel with them and they repent and give their life to Jesus, the next step for that person is to talk to a leader of the church. And why do we do that here at Forest Baptist Church? We do that because uh, it is our job as pastors and leaders to make sure that the people who uh, join this church, that they love Jesus. That they love Jesus. And this conversation that we have with this person is, is not a test. Uh, we're not looking for specific answers and words uh, um, in, a, in a very specific way, we're simply seeking to learn about this person and to see if Jesus is Lord of their life and if, if, if they have really repented and turned from their sins and put their faith and trust in Jesus. And one of the reasons that we started doing that uh, was, was quite simple. When I first became pastor here, before we had that in place where there was a, a true a time where a leader could, could talk to an individual and talk to them about Jesus, uh, we had a, a number of situations that, that really turned out pretty bad for us. Uh, we had a person who was a Mormon join our church. Uh, a Mormon is, uh, is a person who's a part of a cult. They're not a Christian. They don't believe that Jesus is Lord. They don't believe in the authority of Scripture. Uh, they joined our church, um, and they were amongst our people believing something different than what the Bible was teaching. Okay, And one day I was having a conversation with that person, and um, I was talking to them about Jesus, and they said, well, that's not what I believe. And they began to share what they believe. And I said, well, why would you join this church? They said, well, your sermons were so inspirational, and I love the singing and the people, but I believe this. And by God's grace, I was able to share the gospel with that person, and they repented, sat with them uh, for two weeks in a row for hours, and taught them, showed them what the Mormon church believes and what Christians believe. And God took the scales off that person's eyes, and uh, they were baptized and became a member of this church. Amen? Amen. And we had a, another situation that was, that was very similar. It is important as, as leaders of the church that we talk and know those who are here and whether or not they love Jesus. Amen? But third, after, uh, still on, on point number one, uh, in order to be a part of the local church the right way, then that person is uh, to come and to uh, partake in baptism and communion. And we got to experience a baptism this morning. Amen? Amen. Brother Ron. God gave Ron a new heart that loved Jesus. Um, and, and then he, he submitted to the first commandment that a believer is to, to submit to, which is baptism. And if a person can't submit to Jesus' first call and first duty of a Christian, then they won't be able to submit to anything else because that's the easiest part, amen? And what is baptism? Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change in love for Jesus. When a person is baptized, they are declaring that I now agree with the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I now believe that Jesus Christ came into the world, lived, and died in my place, was buried, and was, was raised again. And as they step into that water, it is signifying that their own death to flesh and to their own desires and the resurrection that they receive through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are now identifying with Jesus and telling the church, look, I am one of you now. I am unashamed of Jesus. And I believe that he died and rose for my sins. And you can go to Romans chapter 6 and look at verse 1 through 4 
and, and read more about that. So they partake in believers' baptism. Here at the church, we baptize those who make a confession of faith. And as a church, we uh, talk to the person who's made that confession of faith um, to, to make sure that they know what they're doing. But, but also when it comes to children and those who are younger, uh, we, we want to talk to that child and we want to make sure that they understand uh, why they're becoming a, a Christian. And if we do baptize a younger person, it is because we believe that they are mature and that they will remember this. Because baptism is a day and a moment that you want to remember because Satan is going to be coming at you. Satan is going to be trying to sway you not to follow Jesus. Satan is going to be reminding you of, of who you are and how you failed and, and, and all of your mistake. And, and he's going to be trying to take you into guilt and condemnation. But baptism is a day that you can remind yourself that even though I'm imperfect and even though I sin and fall short daily and even though I struggle, I have been made alive with Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. And then you run to those who are in the body. And you say, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. Preach the good news of Jesus to me and help me. Because those who witness the baptism of a believer, they and we are held responsible to see that that person grows up in Jesus. But lastly, complete new members class. Here at Forest Baptist Church, we have a new members class. And what that is, is once you join the church, um, you begin to come on, on Sunday morning during the Sunday school hour at 9.30, and you sit for about seven weeks, actually five weeks, and you meet with different leaders of the church, and they talk to you about the church, amen? And they, they answer your questions, and we talk about diff, different aspects of the Christian life and, and, and what we believe as a church. All right, so a flourishing member is one who becomes a part of the local church the right way. That is, they have a salvation experience through Christ. They meet with a leader and talk about Jesus. They partake in believers' baptism and communion, and they complete new members' class. But number two, a flourishing member is one who is constantly cultivating a rich devotional life. They are constantly cultivating a rich devotional life. And if you have a bulletin and you're visiting with us, uh, you can open your bulletin and follow us along with these points. I don't expect you to remember all this. Amen? They have a, they're cultivating a rich devotional life. What, what does that mean, a devotional life? What that means is, is that they are, as a born-again believer, you are constantly doing the things that Scripture calls you to do to experience the presence and peace of God on a day-to-day -day basis. There are, uh, you are devoted to Jesus, and that shows by you seeking to learn more about Jesus and to, to connect with God in a variety of different ways. If you are going to flourish as a member of a local church, it is because you have a relationship with Jesus. It's because you know that he is a real person who has done the greatest thing that can ever be done for a human being. He has given his life for you. And the person who flourishes is constantly looking at Jesus. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3 real quick. Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 5 through 14. The person becomes a believer and becomes a Christian, they are now learning to, to live the Christian life. They are a spiritual baby in Christ. The old way of living and the old desires, they don't just disappear. They have to learn how to put those things to death. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Before I met Jesus, I was a slave to everything that Paul just listed. And after I met Jesus, I had to learn to put those things to death. 
And right now in my life, I am growing and learning more and more what it means to put those things to death. It is a process. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked, Paul is telling the church at Colossus, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger and wrath, malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, a Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So Paul starts off and he says to the church at Colossus, take off these things. And there, there are things that are centered on the self and that don't bring pleasure to God. He gives a list. And as I was reading that list, I know that some of you were convicted saying, man, that's me. That's me. And then he says, put on these things. And he gives the opposite uh, attributes of the other things that he's list, listed. Now, if I was to tell you to take off these things and to put on these things, you would, of course, say, well, how do I do that? How do I put off, put off anger? How do I put off jealousy? How do I put off these things? Well, Paul gave us the answer. Sandwiched in between these verses is the answer. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So then in verse 5, he says, put to death, therefore. So what is he saying? Verse 1 through 3, in short, he's saying, put and set your mind on Jesus. Not on pleasing your flesh. Not on getting your own way. Not on the things that you're used to doing that you know don't please God. He says, set your affections on Jesus. Make Jesus the supreme person of your life. Center everything around him. And you do that by cultivating a life that is constantly seeking him. You do that by taking time to do specific things. Look at verse number 16. In fact, we'll go to verse number 15, same chapter. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which, you indeed, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him. So what does he say? He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What does it mean to cultivate a devotional life? It means to take time out of your life and read the word of God. Take time out of your busy life that is centered on you. If your life is anything like mine was and, and can be now, take time out of your busy life for Jesus. to know him through his word. Carve out 15 minutes a day. 10 minutes if, you're, if, 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 you, if you haven't started yet. Start your day off by opening up your word. When, you're, when your feet hit the ground, turn on that lamp, turn on that coffee, get your Bible and read. And we've talked about this enough as a church. If you need a reading plan or more helps, we've got those, we'll give them to you. But you won't become and we can't become the person that God has called us to be, and we can't become a flourishing member if we don't know God's word. Because instead of being a flourishing member, we are going to be a flaky member, 
and we are going to bring our mess and our drama um, into the church, and we'll be a people that is just all about us rather than all about Jesus. Constantly arguing and fighting over things that don't matter. A flourishing member is one who is cultivating a rich devotional life, who is cultivating a rich life of prayer. Number three, a flourishing member has their priorities in order. A flourishing member has their priorities in order. And we're just kind of going through all of this, putting it all on the table. A flourishing member is a person who has their priorities in order. Um, we teach a new members class, uh, the, what we call just God's priorities for our lives. Um, and a person who is really flourishing and contributing in a healthy way um, is one who has these things in order. So how, how should you structure your life? Um, what should be the order of importance in your life, the things that's most important? Number one is God. God. Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In context, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is just telling the disciples to not worry about the things that the people of this world worry about, about provision for food and, and clothes. He says, you make your first priority to be following me and following God being a part of his kingdom, and I'll put all these other things in order. I'll make sure you have a job. I'll make sure you have clothes. I'll make sure you have contentment in the season that I've placed you in. So God first, and that goes back to our devotional life. That means that for, for some of us, that means we have, to, we have to switch and change some things around. Instead of waking up in the morning and looking at our phone and looking at our tablets and checking our email, we need to check the book, not Facebook, but the book. It means we need to reorganize the, some things and look at when we watch television and, and the things that's constantly eating up our time to spend time with Jesus. But number two is family. After we cultivate a rich devotional life with God, we want to uh, make sure that our family is taken care of and things are in place at home. Amen? Things are in place at home. Now, why does family come second? Why does the kid come second and not God? Because if your vertical relationship with God is not in place, your horizontal relationships are going to be chaotic. Did you see that list in Colossians chapter 3? It says, without Jesus, when we put our minds on earthly things, sexual sin, impurity, passions, evil desire, covetedness, wrath, anger, jealousy, obscene talk. That's what comes out of us because that's who we are. So how can one have a thriving family life if they're not seeking Jesus first? How can you have a thriving relationship with your boo if you don't know Jesus? It's just a matter of time before this happens. And even once you know Jesus, this is going to happen, but it's going to start looking a lot better. And you're going to fight, but you'll learn to fight cleanly and to repent <laughs> and to see yourself as the main problem and not the other person and to see that you have a deep need for Jesus. So God first, family second, the local church is third. Divine priorities, God first, family, church, work, and organizations. Amen. Brother Kevin gave it away. I'm just messing with you. Amen. <laughs> okay? Now why is the church coming before work? Why should my affections be set upon the church before work. Because the church is the only organism, the only organization 
The only people that have literally been called to save the world. God has given us a mission, the most important mission, which is to show off Jesus and make him known to the nations. But second, it is amongst God's people, not just the church. When you think of church, you're just thinking of Sunday. I'm thinking of God's people throughout the week. It is amongst God's people that God shapes us and makes us to look more like Jesus. It is in these relationships with your fellow uh, church members and, and fellow members of the body of Christ that you are going to learn to look more like him. So that when you go to work now, you're not just merely going to, to GE or Ford or wherever you work. You're not just merely going there as a worker. You're now going there as a missionary. You're going there knowing that God has placed you at this job, no matter how crappy it is, in this season, at this time, for a divine plan to make Jesus known amongst your co-workers. And you learn that in community. So without the body of Christ and without a devotional life, when you go to work, you won't look peculiar. You won't look like everyone else. You know? You'll be cussing out your manager to other workers, just like everybody else is. And then you'll find yourself talking about Jesus with them and inviting them to church. And they're like, why should I come to your church when you was cussing out Bob just like I was? Like, what about Jesus? What about you makes Jesus attractive? But if we're not learners of Jesus, and if we're not in community, um, we, we really... We really can't learn to be helpful and to be used by God. Our, we, our, our uh, witness will be marred. Next is community and, and, and other organizations. So this is what we teach, the, the priorities that a flourishing member has. And again, just throwing these out, the Holy Spirit is just convicting, and he's going to be working in different ways. You can't change overnight, and you can't change yourself. The only way that we're going to be flourishing members and, and, and people uh, of, of Jesus as if we're looking to Jesus and trusting him to give us life. Paul said in 2 Corinthians that Jesus is a life-giving spirit. So we can't walk out of here saying, I'm going to be a better co-worker. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better mother. I'm going to be a better this or that and expect to become that way in our own strength. The only way we're going to do that is if we're looking to Jesus. But this is just to let you know what what's required and what we think of when we think about someone who is um, an active member of the body of Christ. Number four, they joyfully attend small groups and worship services uh, weekly or regularly. Amen? If you're going to grow um, in Jesus and be a part of the mission that God has called for as Baptists to, to become strong disciples, and to reach those who are lost, um, it is because we are gathering together regularly and not taking uh, our worship times lightly. Amen? Not taking our, our worship times lightly. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, again, we've taught on this and, and been here many times before. But it's always good to review. Hebrews chapter 3, uh, verse 12, says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So the writer of Hebrews tells the church, says, take care or watch yourselves. Um, least there be in you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from God. Our hearts are, are, are constantly prone to wonder and constantly prone to fall away from God. But he says, how do you keep yourself from falling away from God? He says, by encouraging one another every day by being in each other's lives. And some of us here, we just have very 
lukewarm, shallow feelings about Jesus because we are not around his people enough. Do you remember what it was like when you got baptized? How on fire for Jesus you were? And how you just were willing to run for him and do whatever he called you to do? And then slowly over time, you just drifted away from him to now the Bible and the things of God. It's very, uh, it's very hard for you to, to join in on them. Part of the reason may be, and, and is, if you're not actively among other believers, it's a result of your heart being led away from God, being tempted by sin, and now instead of treasuring Jesus, you're treasuring that sin. And you think that's normal. That's normal to you. You think that's the Christian life. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is a God-loving, sin-hating, mission-minded, give Jesus everything life that is sprinkled with low points and, and times of falling, but, but that's also marked by repentance and coming together with other believers. It's important that you uh, be around believers often and that you submit yourself to the church. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We read that last week. It says, Let us consider how to stir each other up. It's by meeting together regularly. So I just want to encourage you, if you're one of those people that comes to church once, out of four Sundays, um, that's not helpful. It's not helping you, and it's not helping others. If you're a Christian, God has gifted you, and he has shaped you uniquely um, to help other people and to be a part of the local church. And if you're not here, um, your gifts aren't being used to help set someone else free. But you're, if you're not here, you also can't be stirred up, as he, the writer of Hebrews says, you can't be stirred up to do good works. Ephesians 2.10, which God has set aside and predestined for you. Being around other believers stirs you up. And if it doesn't stir you up, if it doesn't excite you, if it doesn't make you say, I want to love Jesus, I want to see Jesus, I'm amazed at Jesus and how he's forgiven me and, and what he's given me, if that never happens to your heart, it's probably because you've never been born again. If what you're holding on to one day is that when you stand before God on the day of judgment, as we all will, that's a fact. If what you're holding on to is that God is going to say, my child, come into eternal rest with me because you're a good person or because he knows your heart, um, you're in trouble. The only way into eternal rest is through Jesus, it's through his grace. And if you don't enjoy Jesus here on earth, it's probably because you've never experienced the true Jesus. The true Jesus. Some of us, we say, well, you know, I don't have to come to church in order to be a good Christian. And I don't have to be around other Christians to be a good Christian. Christians are too judgmental. They don't know how, how to have fun. So I don't believe that. All I need to do is turn on my television once a week and enjoy my favorite preacher on, on television. And I can be a great, a good Christian. And I'm telling you, that's... So far from the truth. You cannot flourish in Jesus with that mentality. There once was a woman who went to the post office, and she was um, at the post office and standing in line, and it was a long line, and there was a man in front of her, and he struck up a conversation with her. And he said to her, he said, uh, what are you here for? And she said, oh, I need some stamps. I'm here to get a book of stamps. And he was quiet, and they moved forward a little bit. He said, ma'am, do you understand that you just passed two uh, stamp machines where you could have bought a book of stamps. And she looked at him, she said, I know that, but that stamp machine is not going to ask me how I'm doing. 
and I can't ask that stamp machine how it's doing. And that stamp machine isn't going to miss me when it doesn't see me for a long time. But people will. And that television that you think that you can just turn on on Sunday morning for three out of four Sundays is not going to hold you accountable. It's not going to ask you what's going on in your heart. It's not going to ask you about your marriage. It's not going to ask you about your children. It's not going to pray with you. It's not going to show up when you have lost someone in your family. But a pastor will. A member of a local church will. Your brothers and sisters in Christ will. They'll call you out. And they'll help you to look more like Jesus. So bedside Baptist isn't going to work. You need people in your life uh, encouraging you to fight sin and to look more like Jesus. Fifth, uh, we, we expect our members to look for opportunities to serve. To look for opportunities to serve. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Mark chapter 9. Verse 35, and he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all, and servant of all. This is Jesus, and he flips everything upside down as, as normal, and he's saying the person who is seen as first in the kingdom of God is not the person who has servants, who's bossing everyone else around, but it's the person who serves. Jesus said that the Son of Man came into this world to serve, to serve, to give up his life as a ransom for others. Um, so a person who has been ignited by the gospel of Jesus Christ, who has seen his example of service and the fact that he went to the cross for them on, uh, uh, and, and died in their place, in your place, when you truly believe that and you truly see how he flipped everything upside down, and how God became a man for you, and when you're looking to him in your devotional life, you want to serve others. And if you're that type of person that's living with the mantra, everyone else's life is here to serve me, then, then something's wrong. Or the church is here to, to wait on me, hand and foot, something is wrong. When God, when the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, and makes us born-again believers, that mantra is wiped away, and a new mantra comes. My life is here to serve you. My life is here to serve you. Because Jesus has a way of making our lives be about him and not about us. Has Jesus made your life to be about him, or is your life still about you? I praise God for Forest Baptist Church. We are blessed with servants. We are blessed with so many people who freely give themselves to this church week in and week out without asking for anything. My heart is overwhelmed with joy when I pull up to this church throughout the week and I I see people serving in, in a number of different capacities. On Thursday, when we look at the food pantry and people are down here serving those who are without food, week in and, and week out. When I think about our van ministry and people who volunteer every Sunday, who wake up earlier than they would have to, they come out in the cold and start that rusty old van up. They call people to make sure they're still coming to church, and they go around the city and pick up people. My heart is just overwhelmed with joy when I think about it. My heart is overwhelmed with joy when I think about our Sunday school teachers who set time aside each week besides their own personal Bible study to read and to study and to learn. My heart is overwhelmed when I think about those who serve in extended care week in and week out, watching my terrorists, I mean my children, and loving on them, and telling them about Jesus. My heart is overwhelmed when I think about these things. Those who come down throughout the week and clean up the church. My heart is overwhelmed by our culinary committee, 
anytime we want to have something and we say we need food, they show up and they show out. And I didn't name everything. It's overwhelmed by, by all these things. But as the body of Christ, we want to be um, in our Bibles and in the face of Jesus, loving on him because of who he is and what he's done. And when that's happening, and when we're in community with other people, um, our natural heart's flow is then to serve. The only way that we're going to fulfill the vision that we have laid out and that God has given us is, is if these things are taking place. And, if, and, and it's if we believe that God can use us to, to reach this community. And that's not going to be by everyone being up front. That's going to be by everyone chipping in and serving and being selfless and doing what God has called us to do. If you're that type of person who it's hard to, to get you out to do anything that you don't want to do, um, then you're not living a sacrificial life for Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, by the mercies of God, I beseech you, brethren, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Being a Christian means that we are sacrificing areas of our lives because we love Jesus and because he has sacrificed for us. And if you've got to be pumped and primed and encouraged and begged in order to do, then you are not focusing on what Christ has already done for you. Jesus paid your debt so that you could be free and so that you can live on mission. Number six, protect church unity. Protect church unity. Flourishing member is a person who protects the unity of the church. In John chapter 17, we see Jesus praying uh, to God uh, before his disciples, uh, probably in, in Gethsemane, and we see that he is just focused on the unity of the church, the unity of the church. A person who joins the local church is a person who is committed to the unity of the church. They're not spiritual terrorists. They're not trying to tear the church up from the inside out. They're not on their own personal campaign because they disagree with something and think that everyone else should, should, should agree and think the way they think. They're one who is, who is concerned about the unity of the church. As a church, we absolutely uh, have a low tolerance for gossip. Gossip is sharing information about someone else in order to put them in a bad light. Or to help ourselves to look better. It's also called slander. Gossip is satanic, and it is, it is an assault against the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a way to condemn, it's not sharing good news, it's sharing bad news to harm someone. To harm someone that God created and loved. So here at the, as a church, we say protect church unity. You know, uh, Washington is always talking about homeland security. Her one preacher say we need church land security. As members of the body of Christ, we should constantly be seeking to uphold unity in the church. If there is a problem that you have with someone, you go to that person. If there is something that you heard about someone that's negative, you go and you ask that person, you love on that person. And as Matthew 18 says, if you can't work it out with that person, you go get someone mature and you seek to work it out. But Satan wants to destroy the church from within with our tongue. James chapter 3 talks a lot about that. The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus loves his people, and we are incomplete, we are messy, we are messed up, we are insecure, we are going to make mistakes, and we should not be quick to try to tear one another down, but rather to build one another up, because we're a part of the bride. I love my wife, but my wife is imperfect, and with grace, I can share truth to her and about her about things that maybe needs to be improved and she can do the same about me but if you talk negatively about my wife 
And if you come to my wife the wrong way, I'm going to have a problem with it. Same way with Jesus. The church is his bride. So we need to be slow and careful when we talk about it. Protect church unity. Don't tolerate gospel, gossip. First Peter, Peter says, For the one who wants to love life and to see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from seeking, from speaking deceit. The one who loves life and who wants to see good days is the one who has learned and is learning by the grace of God to bridle their tongue as they look to Jesus and to not speak deceit. Number seven, trying to get through all of these today, amen? Number, number seven, the flourishing member is, the is a person who is a blessing to their leaders or pastors and not a hindrance. Blessing to their leaders and pastors and not a hindrance. Forest Baptist, we, we have put out a, a vision um, that we believe that the Lord has given us, and it's just, the, all it is is a, a picture of what the church is called to be in the Bible. That's, that's it. We didn't have to become creative and make up stuff. All we did is say, what does the Bible say about the people of God? Let's put that to paper, let's think about our context, and let's move forward. And we're praying that you will come on board with it. And there's going to be things that we're going to do that's not, that you're not going to agree with. But there's also going to be things that we're going to do that we shouldn't do that you're not going to agree with. And in both situations, we're asking that you uh, respect those who are leading you, voice your opinion with humility, and follow the leader. Amen. Pastoring is not easy. Look at the latest statistics on pastors. Um, a recent poll just came out about what they experience and what they go through. Um, it is the statistics are, are just astounding. Give your pastors grace. Give me grace. Give your leaders grace. We're, we have the same goal and we're on the same team, and that's to show off Jesus. Give us room. Let us make mistakes. Pray for us. Pray for our families. Pastors need grace just like you need grace. But don't be a hindrance. Don't be a hindrance. We looked at some passages uh, last week talking about that. Hebrews uh, chapter 13. Uh, for those who wasn't with us, we'll just read it real quick. Hebrews 13, uh, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. We've all seen that pastor who doesn't have joy while pastoring. He looks defeated. He always has his head down. And when he preaches, it's like he's cutting people. There's no joy. There's nothing fresh coming out of him. And I, I know pastors uh, who are friends of mine who I've had to talk to after hearing sermons and say, man, it just seems like you are angry while you preach. And then you begin to talk to them, and it's because everything that they do and everything that they say is constantly being uh, gone against, even though it's clearly taught in the Word of God. The writer of Hebrews says, don't be that way. Let your pastors pastor with joy. It's not of, 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 of your benefit. And to your benefit, if they are tired, burned out, because they're constantly having to put out fires and explain things that's in God's word that you know, but you just don't want to submit to. 
says, let them do that with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Right? You ever went out to eat and you, you, you know that you just ticked the, the waitress off because you came off the wrong way? And you're thinking to yourself, like, should we leave? Because it's not, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in that back room and what she's going to come out with. I've been there. Really. <laughs> I'm just going to be transparent real quick, all right? <laughs> the other day, we uh, ordered a pizza at, at home. And uh, kids was all tired, yeah! You know, huh? So we, we ordered a pizza, Amber was tired. And uh, the, the delivery guy came uh, to the house, and I was really tired and wasn't thinking. I promise I was not thinking. And I got the, the you know, receipt and uh, wrote in the amount, and then I, I did tip him. But it just wasn't as generous of a tip as I would have liked it to be <laughs> uh, as he came, you know, because he came to the door. He closes, he goes, he's driving, um, get into bed late at night. I said, Amber, do you remember what I tipped the driver? <laughs> she was like, no, but we normally are generous with tips. I'm sure you tip. Went back, looked at my receipt. I was like, man, that was way too low. Got back in the bed, and I started thinking, what if he comes and plays a prank on us tonight? You know? <laughs> <laughs> what if when I wake up tomorrow morning, I walk out the door, there's just something crazy sitting on our front step, you know? Because I wasn't, wasn't as generous and as kind. And uh, even though it, it was the percentage that you're told to give, it wasn't the standard that we as a household like to put forth. Um, I can't serve you, these men can't serve you with joy if we're afraid of you. And by God's grace at force, that's not the case. God's grace at force. Forrest, I was just telling our leaders yesterday, we are further alone than I ever thought that we could be in four and a half years. And it's because God saved you, many of you, and he had you walking with him closely for many years. And when we came as leaders, by God's grace for this season, he allowed us to lead in a way and to paint a vision from the Bible that resonated in your hearts and that you were able to run with. It brings me great joy to pastor this church week in and week out. But always remember, God has called us, all of us, to obey our leaders and to submit to them. It's our pastors, it's also our bosses, and our supervisors. And that's re regardless, not just if they're doing everything we want them to do. I'm going to save the eighth point for next week, amen? because I don't want to rush it, and I've been before you uh, pretty long. So we're, we're going to save point number eight next week and do a more in-depth uh, study of that. But again, a flourishing member is a member who is actively following Jesus, and as a result of actively following Jesus, these things are happening. And that's a pro it takes time, and it's, it's a process. And uh, if you're not there today, Praise God that your salvation is not based upon anything that I just said other than number one. <laughs> look to Jesus and make it a goal. Make it a goal to look to Jesus and to start serving. If you're one who does have a, a, a problem controlling your tongue, uh, look to Jesus. He can help you tame it. Um, if you're one who um, has a problem in, in these other areas, look to Jesus and he can help you. Uh, we want to see you here week in and week out um, getting to know the other members because we believe that your life will be transformed in that way. When I was in college, I got separated from the body of Christ. I got lazy, was no accountability, started going to a big church. Uh, before I knew it, uh, man, I had just become someone that I never thought that I would become. By God's grace, God sent a pastor my way, sent some brothers my way, got me connected to a, a smaller church where people knew me, and knew my issues, and God transformed my life. And I'm telling you, God can transform your life, whoever you are, wherever you are, if you look to Jesus and plug into the body of Christ. Let's pray.
Uh, Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this vision that you've given us. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to uh, be flourishing Christians. Not, we know we'll never be perfect Christians, but we should be growing Christians. Um, just as a baby grows from uh, infancy to adulthood, so you expect us as your people to grow from spiritual infancy to adulthood. And you have given us a road map in the Bible to help us to do that. So, Father God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit that you will equip us um, to, to be these type of people and to value our membership at this church. I pray, Father God, for this road map that we just laid out, that you would help all of us to submit to it and to, to become a, a, a part of this church in a way that is, that is intricate. Help us to see ourselves as members of the body of Christ, not as isolated individuals who do uh, what they want to do, but as connected in individuals who serve Jesus with passionate hearts in community. Father, I pray for that person who's not a Christian today and who came today with a, a perspective of Christianity that was unattractive. I pray, Father God, that you would allow your son to be attractive to them that you allow them to see that we are an imperfect people who is growing to look more and more like Jesus as the days and years go by because of his spirit. Father, we bless you as Forest Baptist Church, and we pray that you would make us to be the church that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.